Nom Nom delivers fresh food with whole ingredients, backed by veterinarian science. Science tells us that a dog's health starts in the bowl. So, improving their diet is one of the best ways to help them live a long and happy life. Nom Nom's food is full of proteins your dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. All you have to do is order, pour, and serve. Ready to make the switch to fresh? Order Nom Nom today. Go to https colon slash slash trinom.com forward slash curveball and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's https colon slash slash t-r-y-n-o-m dot com forward slash curveball. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by Di Manuel. Di is a digital thought leader, author, distinguished toastmaster, and keynote speaker. Di lives a contagious lifestyle. He is on the mission to impact a million role models around the world. So we're going to be talking to him about his message. He also says he's a super dad dating his wife. So we're going to ask him what that means as well. So, Di, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Curtis, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here to connect with you and the listeners, and and really just just having a great conversations. So, uh, I, you know, the fact that you've got a platform that is geared to just really help inspire, educate, and, and really motivate all of us, you know, to to wanting to do one percent more. You know what I mean? Like it's that little bit extra that we can achieve every day. And if we do that over a period of a lifetime, my goodness, we end up somewhere completely different than where we started. So, you know, just want to say thank you. Absolutely. And and I know exactly what you mean because you (laughs) say you like to teach, motivate and inspire in a fun way. So start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm at this place in my life now where I'm 45 and I'm staring down the gun at 46, which is less than a month away. And I can't tell you how excited I am to just to, to be growing older now. And I know that sounds weird because most of us are like, no, I want to stay young. And I, the age is just a number to me, but it's a number that signifies a lot of experiences <laughs> and, and a lot of learning. And a lot of growth, right? And in these 46 years, it's I've never been one to, to travel a straight line. It seems that my my path has always taken me up and down, over and under, and through some pretty interesting times. And well, you know, I'm I'm someone that started off in life not as someone that's as health-minded that I am now. And and I think that's common. You know, a lot of us end up in a career path or in a, a place in the world where we want to make an impact, but it's often inspired by something that might have happened when we were younger or early on in our journey. And just to sort of, you know, 
nail this point home, I, I was morbidly obese as a teenager. And for someone that's worked professionally in the health and wellness industries for 28 years now, a lot of people just presume I've grown up and I've always been someone that's been active or healthy. And no, I come from the opposite side of that coin. And But I made some changes at 15. And that really put me on a path that's brought me to where I am today. Connecting with you, Curtis, and anybody who's listening is, you know, I, I want to show up to help others travel journeys that involve a lot of change. Because that's part of our life. You know, there's lots of changes that are going to happen. But how do we navigate change? And what's our relationship to change? And if it can be more positive, believe me, we just have a lot more fun in life when we navigate the changes, especially if we can look at them from a more of a positive or, or optimistic perspective. Well, I definitely agree with that. And I always <laughs> tell people, if you're not getting older, uh, you stop getting older, there's a problem. <sighs> you know so, <laughs> yeah, I like it because it's true. <laughs> so you worked in, you say you work in the, in the uh, health and wellness field. T- yeah. Tell us what you do in the health and wellness field. Well, a little side note, you know, I, I started at least more as a, a passion hobby, I guess would be anything was when I was 17, because navigating those changes for myself, it wasn't like, a, you know, it took me five years to put the weight on, you know, five years of, uh, of really eating my emotions, but also managing my emotions by trying to escape from them. And my form of escape was video games, as well as watching movies and TV, you know, it was these little distractions. So I didn't have to, to be present in my own life, to be honest. And, you know, after five years of doing that, getting to a place where I was ready to make a change. And it was for nobody else but for myself. And it didn't come there overnight. I really wish I did. It wouldn't have been as challenging if I got to it sooner. But you know what? When we're ready to change, we're ready to change. And that's set out on a two-year journey where I just released that weight because I educated myself on, on how to move my body a little bit more effectively to create a positive change. But also I learned new ways of nourishing not only my body from the inside out, but also my mind. And when I got to 17, so I sort of got to this place where all of a sudden I just woke up one morning and before I used to be someone that was really big on lists. And I knew that I had to do all these things in a day because these were the important things. You know, I got to get my workout in, I got to have my smoothie. Like, And then I got up one day and I remembered I didn't even look at my list once today. But I did all the things that I knew I wanted to do because it brought me a certain level of fulfillment and happiness, but also presence in my own life. And that's when I knew I had developed a lifestyle. You know, it just became something I don't think about. I just live it. And I know that's what a lot of us aspire for, you know, is to get to that place where we can just really enjoy all the small things in life because we don't have to always be focusing on all the things that we should or shouldn't be doing. (laughs) We just do. And... uh, You know, I came to the industry only because at 17, I remember friends of my parents. And this is the weirdest thing, right? You know, me at 17 and them at their age would have been late 30s, early 40s, coming by the house. And I thought, you know, I always presume when they show up, they're coming here to talk to my mom or my dad, you know, like that. Why would they come to talk to me? And I remember them coming to the back porch and knocking on the screen door and I'm in there making the meal or something. And and I remember Larry saying, hey, die. Is your mom home? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's here. She's out back in some gardening. He's like, oh, okay, well, great. And I'm like, okay. And he sort of that awkward pause, right? Where he's still looking at me. And I'm like, okay, what do you want? Are you going to go see my mom or what? <laughs> and, and he's like, well, actually, can, can I ask you a couple questions before I go talk to your mom? I'm like, oh, geez, what did I do? I know I was out this weekend. Did I do something wrong? Am I in trouble? <laughs> like, that's where my mind was going as a 17-year-old boy, right? I was just like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I'm in trouble. And sat down and 
And he just acknowledged the changes that he had seen in me and my health over those two years. And he expressed to me very vulnerably that he was at a place where he needed and more importantly, wanted to make some changes. And he asked for my help. Now, at 17 years old, I'd never had anybody give me that kind of attention nor respect or even to ask me for help because they valued my opinion. And, you know, up till 17, I didn't feel like I had a lot of value to offer. But this is the first time where not only did I feel I could help him, it felt right. And from that point onward, (laughs) since I was 17 to now 46 almost, I've been helping people through health and wellness changes. And and that's just by empowering people to learn ways to create the results that they say they want, but to do it in a way that's fun, it's engaging, and and to be fair, doesn't feel really hard because a lot of us believe that, you know, change has to be hard. And I don't believe that at all. I don't believe it. And, And I know there's healthier ways to navigate it, but that's where the mental health piece comes into play. Well, let's talk about you base your work off of five F's. So tell us about those five F's and and, and why they mean so much to you. Oh, wow. Curtis, I'm, I'm a, it's probably the writer in me. I, I went to school. This is funny, right? I work in the health and wellness space for basically my entire adult life. But I went to school and a lot of people think I must have gone for sciences or whatever. And I actually went for philosophy and English literature. <laughs> and, you know, So I'm someone that loves to think, but I also love to read and to write. And that writer in me, the speaker in me, loves alliteration, right? And, and so the five S is my easy way of remembering and identifying some of the non-negotiable values that help me navigate life. And these five S, and when I've shared them, often people are like, oh, those sound like the exact same things that I would prioritize. And, and that's awesome because I think they are rather powerful, uh, what we call them, <laughs> You know, they are values. They're values that help guide us and help us filter through our decision processes. You know, like when we get an opportunity, like I I remember once getting a career opportunity presented to me, but I knew it would encroach in a big way on my family. That's one of my S, you know, it's fitness, faith, family, finances, and of course, an overarching roof of fun, you know, because you're not smiling every day. Well, there's room for improvement. And, uh, you know, that one part family for me, it's a non-negotiable. We have certain commitments that we make as a family to each other, and we honor those commitments above all else. And all of a sudden, I was presented with a career opportunity that was going to be a lot more money, but it was also going to involve me changing how I worked, where I worked, and the frequency of work. And it was going to encroach a lot into that family value. So it became really easy for me just to say, you know what? No. No, it's not a maybe. It's not like I have to think on it. It's like, no, because I know six months into that commitment, I'm not, I'm going to be regretting my decision because I'm going to feel unfulfilled and disconnected from the thing that matters most to me, which is my family. And and so that's just one idea of these five S. The other ones include fitness, faith, finances, and that part I called fun. And and the way I sort of alliterate this to people and I invite them, anyone that's listening to this right now, envision that you are the architect of your life. And your life is going to be represented as a home. And you're now getting to work to develop that home and to build it. Now, here's the neat thing. Uh, you know, go back to sort of the grade school. We think about a triangle on top of the square. <laughs> like that's that's my artistic capabilities when it comes to drawing, okay? So if you think about your drawing sort of the stick figure home, each of those four sides of the square represents a wall. It's sitting on a foundation. And on top of that all, we have this little roof. Well, Each of the walls is represented by one of the values, 
fitness, faith, family, finances. I have a foundation, which I invite everybody to challenge me on this. But if you think about the life that you build and you thrive within and that, you know, what really guides us, we need a rock solid foundation to build and to launch off of, but also to fall back on. And that foundation for me and what I invite others to consider is health. Because without health, you know, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or financial health, they all come into play. So having a holistic foundation that's strong and solid of health first makes a big difference when it comes to architecture, uh, being the architecture for the home that you're going to build, which represents your life. And you don't have to use the same letters or, or same structure or values that I do, but just envision this sort of idea or metaphor because it, it's wonderful when you start to play this out because like life, it's very dynamic. There's storms that come every once in a while and it's going to challenge our home, the integrity of the home. We might get termites, you know, <laughs> we might have a leaky roof, but, but these just identify the areas in our life that might need some extra work right now. And, and for me, you know, uh, as an example, back in the day, my fitness was challenged. My health was challenged. So I knew by solidifying doing more for the fitness part, it was also going to help uh, make the foundation more solid. But at the same time, it also helps create better integrity amongst all of the values. Uh, you may have heard the expression once, uh, you know, the way we do anything is typically the way we do everything. And there's there's truth to that, right? And, and so I always say you can't ever just favor one value. They're all important because they're what make up our lives. And so that's sort of the idea around the five S. It's, it's really a simple tool for me to remind myself of what is most important and allow to guide me to making those decisions that align with that much more quickly. But everyone has to do a little bit of introspection and, and exploration to discover what their core values are themselves. And if anyone's really interested in this, actually, Brene Brown has some free resources on her website to help you discover or uncover what some of those uh, most powerful values are for you. Because the clearer you are with that, the more confident you'll become. And when you feel confident that you're going in the right direction, saying yes to the right things and no to the right things, holy smokes. Your ability to make things happen more quickly and to navigate change a little bit more in a positive way, it becomes very apparent because we also procrastinate less. And that's the advantage of that clarity and confidence. So, you know, this, this idea of the values and what guides us, I invite everybody, figure out what your five Fs are or whatever letters you want to use, but try to narrow down to get really clear on what are the most important values in your life that you would never be willing to negotiate. The clearer you are, the more confident you'll be. And you're going to find you take more decisive, uh, just the decisions more quickly and with more confidence. Well, you also scaled the eight figure business. So tell us about <laughs> that. And I'll also tell us about the, the learning and the struggles that you went through while doing that. Oh, wow. Thanks for that. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been in the health and wellness space, as I mentioned, for a long time, you know, and most of my adult life. But for 17 years of that, I was in the fitness equipment industry and I had a chain of retail stores that I co-founded with a business partner. And, you know, we started as a smaller enterprise. He already had a pre-existing business and it was doing okay. Not, not fantastic, but it was doing well enough. And an opportunity came around where I was going to be given an equity position to come on board in a more uh, operational capacity. And so I was the COO, uh, chief operating officer, as well as the chief marketing officer, because marketing and sales is, is my predominant background. However, operationally, 
I'm, I'm pretty skilled at that too, you know, and, and I've gained a lot of confidence just through working through that in that capacity. Now, scaling a business, it, it's one thing to, to really start to see things take off, but we don't start to realize there's a lot that we see on the front end. We see the sales. <laughs> we see us selling a lot of products to people, helping them get a little healthier, a little fitter, and really just enjoying life a bit more. So there was a real feel-good part and a direct impact that, that myself and the company was able to make. However, after a sales made, there is so much more to it. <laughs> you know, we have the service, we have the follow-up, we have delivery and installation. If there's a problem with the product, you got to look after that. You know, there's a lot of infrastructure. And at times as you're scaling, and this is the part that we sometimes forget, is that logistically, to continue to deliver and to deliver in a high-value way, we also have to scale up systems, not just scale up sales, <laughs> you know, because scaling sales is the fun part, right? But how do you support the sales? And and so there was a couple of rude awakenings, to be perfectly honest, at times where either we would oversell product and, under, and not have enough inventory to deliver and vice versa. There was periods of time where we might run out of stock. And because I'd be sourcing products from overseas, that could mean three to four months before you're replenished which means a big dip in revenue. So, you know, without getting into all the retail concepts and and, and point of sale type of uh, strategies, uh, I'll leave it at, it was a real big challenge at times. And it was also one of the most rewarding things I've done in my life, all at the same time. And I, I know if anyone's ever worked in retail, you'll know this little uh, rhyme or adage, you know, the, the de- you know, uh, the details are in, uh, sorry, retail is... Uh, Retail excellence is always in the detail, you know, and and that's something I've taken forward. Even in the way I serve people now in my communities now, it's more on a service base, not product base. Uh, however, it, it's the little details, those little minute details that make the difference, you know, the, the, how we follow up with somebody, how do we sign off, how do we check in with a client, you know, like as a coach and a mentor, there's other tools and operational tools I've started to implement to allow me to ensure that I provide a better experience for people. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Curtis, and even if you think about your own schooling that you, you completed a few years ago in the broadcast space, I can imagine there was so many new things for you to learn and to experience and to grow into, and especially as you're learning, you don't know, it's hard to be confident about our decisions and choices that we make and then actions that we're going to commit to. But with the right tutoring, and, you know, tutoring is more school appropriate, but with the right mentorship, and coaching. It's incredible what we can unlock in ourselves. But sometimes it takes a third party that sees potential in us that we can't see in ourselves when we look in the mirror. But if they can tease that out of us, holy smokes, a lot can happen. And to be fair, I learned a lot of those skills and lessons myself, both as on the receiving end, but also on the delivery end for my teams as we built and scaled. The human resource capital that's required is immense, but it's a relationship business first and foremost. Absolutely. Speaking of relationships, you say that you've been dating your wife for 21 years. So explain to everybody what that means. Yeah, and we're just into our 22nd now, actually, which is pretty cool. Uh, But, uh, you know, this idea of intentionality with anything. Right. The, the way we, we show up for ourselves when no one's looking, <laughs> that, that says a lot about our character. And I realized early on in my relationship with my wife that there was one way I would show up and then there'd be a completely different way I would show up if there was other people around. 
my wife's actually pretty good at this every once in a while you know if we get into a bit of a tip she's like i know what you just said to me or you said to the girls you know our two daughters she's like you know if we had a live camera on us right now recording this would you have said it the way that you said it and i'm always like hmm no, I probably would have said it differently. And, and it, so it's also that little <laughs> trying to remind ourselves that who do we want to be? How do we want to show up? And I knew in our relationship, I wasn't always showing up and not showing up the way that I wanted to show up. And, and so this idea of dating, think about it is when you start to date someone, you know, that significant other in your life. I mean, you're excited, you're nervous. You know, there's the little butterflies going in the stomach, as they say, right? We, and it's just every time you see them, it's excitement, big smile and beaming. But you also make sure you prioritize time for each other. You take time to ask each other questions. You're always discovering something new about that person as you're dating them. Well, why does it stop when we get married? Does it have to stop? It doesn't. But you need to have some intentionality. You know, you have to set the intentions and then follow through. And the neat thing is by referencing that, and we both refer to each other that way, you know, she's like, I'm dating my husband, I'm dating my wife. And the reason is, is we prioritize time for each other, but we're still discovering who we are. And keep in mind, you know, you would think that over 20 years, two decades together, we probably know everything, but we don't because the person she is today is very different than the person that I met 20 years ago. And so we keep continuously re-falling in love again with this person that we're becoming. And so that is the whole reasoning behind that, because I'm a big fan of language. And I think language is critical, not only in communication, but also how do we interpret ourselves in our own life and speak to ourselves with, because that's the one voice we got to live with 24-7, you know? So if it's not speaking positive into you, why not, you know? Because that's a voice that you really want to uh, get on your side, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. Talk about the most powerful question you've ever been asked and how did you respond to it? Oh boy. Well, I'd have to take you back 13 years and, you know, up to that point, you know, I would have been 33 almost at that time, 32, about 33. And well, as a, as a kid that was morbidly obese, I, I dealt with a lot of mental health challenges that accompanied that. You know, there was depression, there was anxiety, uh, quite a bit of social anxiety, and that sort of carried forward into my adulthood. I, I still deal with it from time to time, but I've learned healthier ways to manage it, where back then, you know, I would manage it by avoiding it or distracting myself. I never actually deal with it, but I just treat the symptoms through food, through movies, video games. And so I, I learned early on that there was ways to escape and to avoid pain, pain, you know, or discomfort, and we could distract ourselves with other things. Now, as a, as a, you know, a, a preteen teen, very easy to do that because it's very accessible. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, I got really good on focusing on the outside, the exterior. I made all these great changes, developed a new lifestyle from it, started helping others with those external changes as well. But I never done any internal work. I never really asked some of the tough questions for myself, like. Who am I? You know, why am I here? You know, the, the small questions, right, Curtis? I, and uh, where am I going? You know, and what do I want to do? What do I want to be? What kind of dad do I want? To, I, these are questions I never asked myself. I was more focused on how can I make more money? You know, like how can I grow the company? I was so focused on professional development because that was a large part of my identity and how I identified myself you know, was as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, as the fitness guy. It, 
it wasn't just die. Father of two beautiful girls, dating his wife of 21, almost 22 years. You know, like those are actually the labels that matter most. But I didn't know that back then. And I didn't act as if. And so I learned that there was other ways to escape things and discomfort, my anxiety. And that was when I discovered alcohol. And alcohol was a big crutch for me. It was an easy way to diffuse anxiety. And even though I would drink, it wouldn't actually diffuse it, but it would delay it. It would allow me to forget about it in the moment. It also allowed me to, to connect with people differently. You know, I could go to a very public function. There could be lots of people I don't know there, get a few drinks in me. I'll go around and talk to anybody. I really became a different person. And I was positive. It was never negative. But it wasn't really me, you know, or at least my full me. And I learned to do that for 15 years of my adult life. And the thing is, is things only work for as long as they work, and then they don't. And there was a lot of signs that it wasn't working, especially in my home. You know, my, my relationship with my, my daughters were, you know, it was good. I don't think it was great, but they didn't know any better. Both were under the age of six at the time, 13 years ago. But my relationship with my wife was quite strained. Because she saw this habit and she saw how it was taking over and becoming more and more dominant. And I would always justify my actions very quickly. Be like, I work really hard. You know, I provide for this family. Like I, I was always trying to justify why I was drinking or drinking so much. And, uh, you know, 13 years ago, she sat me down and started to ask me very specific questions around what it was going to be like to co-parent our kids when we divorce. I alluded to you before, Curtis, you know, family is one of my core values. It's what's allowed me to, to achieve a lot of what I've achieved in my life. It's also given me a lot of great direction in life by aligning with that value. And all of a sudden, I came to a realization that, you know, based on all the choices and my lack of action when it came to learning new ways to cope with some of these negative feelings and mental health challenges I was navigating, that I was going to lose that value. More importantly, the thing that I mattered most, which was my wife and my two kids. Now, the conversation continued and my wife was looking at me and, and a little uh, a side note, you know, she's a tinge of ginge, okay? A big redhead, big smile, big eyes, beautiful woman, absolutely adore her. And she's looking at me from across the table and she's got these mean eyes, right? Like she's she's at her wits end. She's, she's put up with so much. You know, as I alluded, we were together for about 10 years at this point and she'd seen this pattern. I'd made a lot of promises, but I also had not met a lot of those promises. And... She was at a place where she's like, you know, we can't do this anymore. This is not a conducive environment to raise our kids in. It's not healthy. And this was the hardest part, Curtis, because I realized in that moment that there was nothing that I could say that could justify the person I was showing up as. There was nothing. And she was in the right. And so tears, you know, were, were shed on both sides. And, and we got to this place where I was pleading. I really was. I was wanting another opportunity. I wanted one more chance. I wanted to make it right. I wanted to make a change. You know, I wanted to be that man for her and that, that father for my kids. And I just wanted to align with who I had always said I wanted to be and who I believed I was at times. And she looked at me and she asked me a question. Now, now this is the question, Curtis. And for those that are listening to this, I'm confident that if you take this question, you reframe it any way you want, it can also become an equally clarifying and, and life-changing question for you. 
The question was, Di, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? <laughs> it was like instant, like, pardon the cliche, but it felt like I got hit by lightning. You know, like it just, it was this ultimate full body experience where I realized, holy smokes, if someone like me showed up to want to get close to the ladies in my life and they were acting like who I was 13 years ago, there's no way I would let them in the door. But yet, that's who I was modeling to my kids, to my wife, to friends, to family, to coworkers. I was saying, this is, this is the man, this is the dad, this is the husband, this is the father, you know, or, or sorry, the, the business owner, the community leader. Like that I was representing that and modeling that to everybody. But on the flip side, I was living a very different life. And it was in that moment, like literally within moments, I sat my wife and my two daughters down. And I made a commitment, more importantly, to myself that I'd go one year without drinking. And I told them that, you know, my, my, my eldest daughter at the time, Chardonnay, she uh, uh, was six at the time, had these, uh, she had a, a, a lazy eye. So um, they were correcting that by giving her these really heavy prescription glasses. You can imagine uh, up here in Canada, there's a show called um, Trailer Park Boys, and there's a character named Bubbles. And if you ever Google them, you'll notice he's just got these big, big glasses, right? Big eyes. And uh it was rather funny because she's got these big bubble eyes looking up at me and she's like, oh, so no coffee, no pop. <laughs> you know, she starts listing off all these drinks, right? And I'm like, well, no, no, no adult drinks. And then so I was like, oh, okay, okay. And so it was really fun because it actually brought a little bit of levity to, to this very serious moment for all of us, uh, especially for my wife and I. And, uh, you know, after that chuckle, we, we, we acknowledged it. They acknowledged me and my commitment because this is the first time I was making the choice for me. I wanted to change for me, but I, of course they would benefit. And that set in motion a lot of work. You know, I finally stopped focusing on all this external work and started doing more of the internal work, really working on my mindset and my perception and learning new tools to navigate some of my mental health challenges as well. And it, it was amazing, but but it was also one of the hardest years I've had. I, I'm just full disclosure. I'm not here to paint a, a beautiful picture. I'm just telling you the truth. It was hard. I needed help, and I didn't know how to ask for help, and that was the the hard part, you know. And because I didn't understand how to be vulnerable and to do it in a way that invited others to help me, you know. And, and <laughs> it was really hard. It was really hard. And I got some help. I, I worked with a psychologist. I worked with a counselor and a relationships counselor. And that was about the first six months. And it was great because it gave me a lot of new ways to unpack and to navigate some of the, the feelings I had been experiencing. And and also learning that it's okay to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with that. And And actually being vulnerable, it's not a strength. It's a skill. And it's a skill we can all develop and encourage in each other because it's what connects us all helps develop deeper understanding. I mean, think about any relationship. How does it get started? Well, it gets started by sharing personal information with one another. That's an act of vulnerability. It doesn't mean it's always a negative thing, which I always believed it was. So I had this paradigm shift in that first 12 months. At the end of it, and this is where I'll sort of end this part of the story, was I remember my wife and I sitting down on the couch. And she's like, man, it's been a whole year. You did great. I'm so proud of you. Do you want to share a bottle of wine together to celebrate? And I remember looking at Christy and I was like, you know, so much has happened in this last 12 months. So many great changes that I never thought were even possible. What happens if I just keep going a little bit longer? 
you know what what's possible then sure enough 13 years later i'm here talking to you curtis i still haven't had a drink i don't even think about it, it doesn't even register for me because i have a lifestyle that is just not a part of it and my wife drinks no problem with that i have friends that drink like it, i never classified myself as an alcoholic but i do classify myself as somebody that had a real problem with alcohol and a really bad relationship with it you know and so that was you know uh, sort of to put a little bow on it you know that was the 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 coolest little thing that led from one very very profound deep question and, and it's amazing when asked the right question by the right person with the right intention what kind of right results can be produced and uh so yeah i've sort of dedicated my life to asking people the right questions now <laughs> you know you really think about it most definitely tell listeners about your your book and, and what they can expect when they check out your writings and where we can pick it up at oh thanks Curtis. oh well it, it's called the whole life fitness manifesto i know it sounds like a mouthful because <laughs> it is uh but it, it, you know i went through this period when i was questioning my old career path and you know after being in retail and gosh it would have been about 15 years at this point in retail and i just i had started to navigate all these changes you know i was still working at my former company we were still growing but I had started taking an interest in doing a lot more of this internal work. And the, the thing is, and I want everybody to understand this, when you start doing that kind of inner work, start to really ask yourself some hard questions, but not run away from them, but sit with it, navigate it, find a coach, find a mentor, find a, a specialist that can help you navigate those questions in a more healthy way. But do it because what's going to happen as you start down that path is you start to realize there's lots of changes and there's changes that you're going to feel really good to make, but there's going to be some that are really intimidating. It might involve changing some relationships or changing a career path. That's what it was for me. I realized the path I was on, I didn't want to be on anymore. I didn't feel fulfilled from it anymore. I'd grown to a place where I wanted more. I wanted to experience more. I wanted to, to, to do more. And I knew the path that I was on wasn't going to allow the space to do that. So after 15 years, getting close to 17 years, you know, I was like, I'm going to change careers. I'm, you know, here's a company I co-founded and I don't want to be here anymore. That's a pretty scary place to be. You know, when you start to question <laughs> what you're going to do tomorrow, uh, you realize there's a lot of other things left to unpack and get clear on. And that's what set me down this path. And, and during that process, we, my wife and I had started contributing a lot. And this is a something I like to, to just share with everybody, just as a tip or a strategy. You know, if you're feeling maybe confused or unsure of what you want to do with life or where you're going professionally, and you're not sure about your own place in the world, one of the best things to do that I've found through my own experience is contributing, contributing to the world, contributing to your community, contributing to others. And for us, it was by starting what we called our Sunday fun day sessions. And they were Sunday fun day workouts. People would come together. We'd have anywhere from 80 to 100 people at the peak. They would come and do fitness classes. There was no cost. There was no hidden agenda. It was all about coming with a positive mindset and ready to make friends. That was the only condition that we had for people to show up. People would bring their friends, their family. It was just a beautiful community. And I learned a lot through that process. I got to test a lot of ideas that I had around fitness, nutrition, and mindset, and how to coach and support people with that. Out of that came the seedlings for the book, 
the whole life fitness manifesto because it is a manifesto it's a it's a tenants a list of tenants that people can adopt or, or or embrace to create whatever kind of results they want for themselves both physically mentally and more impo- importantly uh, also on that spiritual spiritual or soulful side you know that inner energy side if you will and uh the book will teach you 28 days you know and, and i invite people to commit to 28 days where you're going to uh, make a non-negotiable 30 minutes a day. So that's 2% of every 24 hours, right? I know everyone's got it because when you look at the stats, you look at how much people are using TikTok, Instagram, Facebook in a given day, it's well more than 30 minutes. So I know people have the time. 30 minutes, if you can give me 2% of every 24 hours and make that a non-negotiable commitment to your to yourself, I've got the best strategy for how you can get the best results with that 30 minutes a day. And it involves 15 minutes of movement with purpose, five minutes of mindful meditation, 10 minutes of personal development. And it's all laid out in the book, you know, and uh, I've also got it published on my website for those that want to, to just read it. I want it to be accessible. I don't want dollars and cents to get in people's way. So I have made most of the content free and accessible for my website as well, diamondwell.com. And, uh, but that's it. That's really the book. It helps give people a process or a, a pathway to optimizing body, mind, and spirit, but doing it in little micro uh, commitments every day. Because again, you know, to try to change our lives, and I lo- I love it because every January 1st, I see so many people get really excited and really positive about making big changes in their life. Often, and when the statistics will show this, one of the most common ones involves our health and our fitness, wanting to see positive changes in that. But here's the thing, if you're trying to do a full 180 on your lifestyle overnight, it will be really hard to sustain that. Think about a big cruise ship. Those things are massive. If those things have to do a 180 turn, it takes it a long time, (laughs) okay? It's got to go out and it does this massive like half circle to get back to the other direction. The changes in your own life are very similar. It takes time and and, and frequency and, and persistence and dedication. And yes, there's lots of those things that come into play to navigate the change, but you have to be committed to following through with it. And I invite people to do little bits of changes every day. And at the end of 28 days, I've never had anybody come back and say that they hadn't achieved something amazing. And uh, it's only the stepping stone. I like to let people know this isn't the end all be all. And and I would never portray it as such, but it's a great place to start. Tell us about any upcoming projects that you're working on that we need to know about. Oh, well, thank you. Well, if anyone's seen my TEDx talk last year, I I talked quite a bit about uh, vulnerability and just really how I developed a healthier relationship with that. Also talk about giving up alcohol, but more importantly in the talk, I talk about the men's groups that I'd started facilitating and co-facilitating during that that part of my journey over the last five years and, and just how it's really supported me in supporting other men or creating a space where we can just come together and be authentic be open, be transparent, to practice what it means to be vulnerable man to man. Now, again, I'm a man who identifies as a man, and there's other groups out there for other people for how they identify. And I, I, I'm i not here to say to go to one or, or any. I'm just saying find one that you feel like you belong to. Because in having that community, it's so empowering. And and for me, that's one of my passion projects. I, I continue to, to move that needle forward. We've been doing them online now for a number of years since COVID happened. Um, but just now as we're coming out of it, uh, you know, here in Vancouver, I'm starting up an in-person one again. And I'm so excited about that. Now, of course, I know a lot of the listeners who probably don't live in Vancouver, but don't worry if you ever come, there's a Mentorship Monday group that you can plug into, you know? And 
of course, we'll still continue to do the ones online, but that is something I'm just really excited about. They're free. There's no cost. If you're a man that's looking to develop deeper skills uh, around vulnerability and, and authenticity and just deeper connection with other men, I'd like to just extend a hand and say, come along, come visit, come check it out. You know, that that's one thing that's got me really excited these days. And it's it's a real present passion for me. And like I said, there's no hidden agenda here. It's just just a small invitation for those that that sounds like something that you're interested in or curious about. Well, just reach out to me. I'm happy to provide the details and uh, have you come along as a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, diamondwell.com. Close us out with some with some final thoughts, maybe something that I forgot to touch on that you would <laughs> like to touch on or just any final thoughts you have for the listeners. Oh, okay, Curtis. Well, first of all, I just got to say thank you, Curtis. You know, it's wonderful that you host a, a platform and really a podcast that allows for these kind of, well, just conversations to evolve, but also more importantly, makes this information accessible to all of us. So just, I, I know sometimes it's not very, there's not a lot of thanks for what you do, but I just want to say thank you. You know, thank you for, you know, really taking the time out of your, your life to make this happen and provide this value for all of us. And, uh, you know, I just feel so honored to have been here today. And I guess in closing, you know, if I'm, I'm going to share something that I learned from a meditation teacher that I had. And to be fair, I think they were just quoting Buddha, <laughs> you know, because it was about 2,500 years ago, this wise guy named Buddha, uh, you know, he said, don't worry this too shall pass. And I think that's a really interesting statement because it's this idea of this, this idea of staying optimistic and recognizing, yeah, we're going to have a lot of hardship in our lives and or Buddha would refer to it as suffering. It's just our lot in life. We're going to have those. We're going to have the down days, but we always can navigate and get through those. They will pass. And so I always thought that that's what he meant by that quote, but my meditation teacher gave me a completely different understanding. And I'd like to impart that on everybody that's listening today. When he said this too shall pass, he was actually also referring to all the good stuff that happens in our lives. You know, that first kiss, that first date, the first time you see your child, take that first step. You know, the first time you said, I love you to that significant other in our life. There's lots of firsts. There's lots of amazing things that happen in our life every single day but this too shall pass. So don't be so rushing, you know, don't, don't start thinking about what's happening tomorrow and thought, think about what happened yesterday. Just be present for your life as it happens, which happens right now because all the good stuff and all the bad stuff, it will pass and you'll never get it back again. So be present for when it happens. And, and that's really all I'd like to leave with you today. That's right. And ladies and gentlemen, this episode has passed. And I want to take the, the uh, time to thank you because it's guests like you that make this show possible. I always tell everybody it's not about me. It's about the the guests and about getting the listeners what they need. So listeners, go to diamanwell.com and check out everything that Di is up to. And Di, I want to thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. Thank you, Curtis. Really appreciate the opportunity, and it was wonderful to be here today. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.